16. I just want you to rest your eyes in, um, on verse 9, and then we'll have a word of prayer. And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Turn to somebody and say, What are you doing here? <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of coming together. You said, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is, but coming together that we might exhort, strengthen, and build one another up as we are living in evil times. Father, thank you that we can stir one another up to run the race a little harder, a little longer, for we will not be weary in well-doing because you promise if we faint not, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Now, minister to your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to see each and every one of you here, especially our first time uh, visitors. Amen. Amen. We're grateful to have you here. I hope you felt the love of Christ when you came in and that you will not leave the same way that you came in, that you would actually leave better than you did when you arrived. One of the longest 24 hours days in my life occurred when I was in the eighth grade. I was 14 years old, many, many years ago. <laughs> I arrived at my junior high school, Strawberry Mansion High in North Philadelphia, and we had the lineup outside. It was a cold December day. We were outside in line, and there were school monitors walking around. They didn't have paddles, but if you didn't cooperate, they did not believe in sparing the rod. So I get a tap on my shoulder from one of my friends. He said, let's hooky school today. Let's play hooky today. I didn't want to be in school, so that sounded like a good idea to me. And two other of my friends Agreed, we're going to hook your school now. You couldn't just leave the schoolyard. So we all had to slip out one after another. And we had like a designated place that we were going to meet once we got away from the schoolyard. And so we arrived at our designated place, and we started high-fiving and, and, and elbow-bumping. We, we, we did it. Nobody saw us. And then all of our delight suddenly became a big question mark. Now what do we do? <laughs> Nobody thought about <laughs> where do you go when you hooky? Because back then, nobody was letting you in their house. Now, people let kids in their houses now. You ain't getting in nobody's house back when I was growing up. So we didn't know where to go or what to do. So one of the friends said, well, let's go to the school park. We're going to go out to the, the, to, the, to the basketball court in the park, the Fairmont Park. So we agree, all right, somebody will be out there playing basketball. So we make our way. But to get to the park, you've got to go through 32nd and Nara Street. <laughs> and they seem to be the only dudes that weren't going to school except for us 
four who were hooking. So they pull us over and they take our lunch money. So now it's cold. We really don't know what to do. And we hungry and our lunch money's gone. So we get to the park. At least we can play basketball. Lo and behold, there's nobody on the basketball court and there's no balls because everybody in their right mind was at school. So one of my friends said, oh, I know what we can do. I know what we can do. I got a place where we can go. So we follow him all the way up towards, uh, there was a school called Simon, Fitz, Fitz, Fitzwater or something. I forget that school. Fitzsimons. Yeah, we walk all the way over there from, third, from 33rd in, in, in Susquehanna. And we go all the way over to Fitzsimons. And he takes us to an abandoned house. And that's where we want to stay until the end of the school day. And every minute seemed like an hour. It gets worse. We hear outside this abandoned house sirens. Some nosy neighbor <laughs> decided to call the police. And so the police officer came to the door. He knocks on the door, bam, bam, like he's trying to tear the house. I'm afraid this little thing going to fall down. So he said, come out, come out. So we come, we come outside. <laughs> I'm saying, we're going to jail today. <laughs> and then he lines us up by the patrol car, and he asks each one of us, I'll never forget the question he asked, what are you doing here? And then he looks at me, what are you doing here? What are you doing? He, he asked all four of us. None of us had an answer. So he gets us in the patrol car, and I'm saying, okay, here we go. We're going to get picked up by our parents, and it's going to be really hell to pay. No, guess what he did? He took us back to school. <laughs> I was never so happy <laughs> to be at school that day as I was when that police officer, because that was where I was supposed to be. Now, some of you may not even know what playing hooky means. It means that you, you slip away without permission from work or school. You're not supposed to do that. It's an inexcused absence. You may never play hooky. You never, never, may have never done. Guess what? I never did that again. <laughs> Life lesson. But I met too many Christians who are playing hooky from the assignment of God for their lives. They have left the church because they've been hurt by somebody in the church. Or the pastor failed. Abuse his authority, so they ain't going back to church no more. And then there are those who have decided that they're not going to serve because what the assignment that God gave them includes a husband or a wife they don't want to be married to. If I got to serve with her or him. Or if you won't give me their gift. 
My gift is too insignificant. I am too inadequate. I am uneducated. I'm too this. I'm too that. And so even though you have not come into some kind of co-conspiracy with other Christians that you're going to hooky, you're playing hooky from God. And the question that you don't ever want God to ask you is the one that he asked the prophet Elijah. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You could ask yourself that day, Why are you, what, what are you doing at church today? Yeah. Well, it's Sunday. That's what I do at church. <laughs> oh, it's my day to sing. That's not good enough reason. That's not good enough reason. Some of us will find ourselves in the predicament that the prophet Elijah in verse 9, when the Lord says, after he has taken a spiritual retreat, a vacation that God never told him to take. There's some vacations you don't need to go on. He was out Mount, at Mount Horeb, and Mount Horeb used to be Mount Sinai, and that was a place where the Ten Commandments were given. And, and he said, well, I went to church. That's why you, that wasn't where you were supposed to be. You were supposed to be at work. Sometimes you're supposed to be at work. Sometimes you're supposed to be with your husband or your wife. You don't need to be at church. Go home and be a wife. Go home and be a husband. And the Lord is saying, while you're singing and your husband is looking for you, what are you doing here? He asks, he repeats the question. When God repeats something, he is not at a loss for words. After he gives this aerial display, and we, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, with the, with the thunder and the lightning and the earthquake and the wind, he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? He started complaining again. I'm the only, and then the Lord says, what are you doing here. He never answers the question. Sometimes we try to justify what we've decided to do that doesn't agree with what God told us to do because we feel unappreciated, overlooked. But let's, let's, let's jump into the passage. Can we do that? Where should you be when God asks the question, what are you doing here? I want to share four things that I believe should be the accurate answer where we should be. The first thing that should be true about where you should be when God asks the question, your address should match your God-given assignment. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God predetermined his plan, his purpose, his destiny, his assignment for you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 tells us that. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, God has a purpose, a plan, an assignment for you, and there's a timeline. I, I quote the scripture all the time. And Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. Because the night, the night, the curtain is being drawn, is coming, is quickly approaching when no man can work. And so the, wherever you are, the address, that house you live in, that job you got, that, 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 that city you live in, that person you chose to marry, it should match your divine assignment. God raised up the prophet Elijah to address a time of spiritual apostasy, similar to the times that we're living in today. The people of God, 10 of the 12 tribes of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, had 
forsaking God under the leadership of King Ahab and the wicked witch named Jezebel. She was actually a witch. She was involved with sorcery and, 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 and idol worship and, and offering up children as sacrifices and orgies. And, and so they had turned the people of God away from the true and living God, worshiping him, to worshiping Baal, the god of fertility. And she had made in her assignment, she decreed that anyone that was preaching the word of God, any prophet or teacher that anybody would identify, she killed them. She was killing the prophets of God. That's why Jeremiah said, I'm the only one. Let's go. So, so the first thing is, God, the purpose that God has assigned to you will always match a need that needs to be addressed. A problem is simply a need that hasn't been met. And you were created to solve something that God has placed in the path of your life. And so, Elijah, the assignment, your address should match your assignment. Do you know what your assignment is? Do you know what your assignment is? The Bible says now, uh, Eli the Tishbite, this is in chapter uh, 17. I'm just going to read some of these verses. Can't read them all. Now, Eli the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. So for three and a half years, for three years and six months, Elijah being sent by God to address Ahab and Jezebel. And the interesting thing is the very, the very reason they worshiped Baal was they believed that Baal controlled fertility, that he controlled the rain and the harvest. So God said, I'm going to show you who really controls for three years and six months. There won't be a drop of rain. So your, your dress should match your assignment. Amen. How many of you know that when you get assigned by God, you're going to, be, you're going to face opposition? This is what messes us up. We, we cool until we, we leave church. <laughs> I'm getting off the bus here. But the Lord said, don't think it's some strange thing. When you encounter not simple trials, but dive, he said, fiery trials. And so the assignment is not without opposition. Jesus said, while you were in the world, last I know we're in the world, he said, you will have, what, trials and tribulations. Did he tell the truth? Yeah. Come on, help me out, y'all. I know y'all been up late last night. I watched part of that Sixers game, too. Yeah. Your address should match your assignment. Your address should also match your God-given anointing. God gives us spiritual gifts. You read about them in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. You read about them again in Romans chapter 12, verses 8 through 16. Then you read about them again in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. You read about it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. God has given each one of us at least one spiritual gift. He gave Elijah the gift of miracles, the gift of performing signs and wonders. And one of the signs and wonders that God allowed Elijah to perform was to speak out of his mouth prophetically, it ain't going to rain. 
It ain't going. He said, I know God does that. He did it for Elijah back then in those Old Testament. I wish I was with Moses. I could win. I don't have a rod or a staff. And, and when he lifted up that rod and staff, the see, well, they don't do that. No, uh, listen, listen to what the scripture says in, in, in James chapter 5. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. He was just like us. That's why the Bible says that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great benefit. All I need to do is the Bible says, this is our confidence if we pray anything according to his will. I used to pray when the Phillies played. Lord, don't let it rain today. And it would rain. And I said, well, what's wrong with my prayer? It wasn't according to his will. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done. If I'm praying according to his will, just like Elijah, who had the gift of performing miracles, if God wants the rain to stop for three years and six months, it will stop. Even through the words that you speak, your, 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 your address, when you answer the question, what are you doing here? Your address should be aligned with the word of God, not only to your, your anointing and your assignment, but aligned to the word of God. Listen to these verses in, in chapter 17. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here, turn eastward and hide in the book of, brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And then he says again in chapter 17, verses 7 through 9, sometimes later the, the brook dried up. In verse 8, he said, then the word of the Lord came to him. And then in chapter 18, verse 1, the word of the Lord, every time God wanted Elijah to do something different, the word of the Lord came to him. Whenever God has something for you to do, it, it, the pastor might ask you, the elders might ask you, but, the thing, but you better be sure that what they're asking you to do lines up with the word of God for your life. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons and the daughters of God. So if somebody's telling you to do something that doesn't match the word of God, I don't care. Mama go to that church, great-grandmama, sister Sue, and, and Sookie too. If it doesn't line up with the word, you aren't supposed to be there. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Your assignment will always align up, line up with the word. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Sometimes we end up yoked with people. He's so fine. Oh, my God. Did you smell that, brother? Look what he's driving. Back in the day, he got gold teeth, too. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I ain't never heard anybody say, he don't have no teeth. They ne no, no, I've never heard anybody say, that's cool. But sometimes you end up yoked with people that are unsaved. That's not God's perfect standard. But some, you sign a contract with an unsaved person, you yoke with them. It will always line up with the word. Well, I'm just waiting for a revelation. You don't have to wait for no news. Just read what the Bible says. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. You don't need no wait for no revelation. You need to obey the revelation that God has already given. You're waiting for something to agree with what you want to do. Wow. 
What are you doing here? How did you end up in this relationship? Now you got not three kids, you got five. What are you doing here? You just try one drink. Now you go to bed drunk every night. What are you doing here? Elijah, Elijah, I'm so glad that the word, the word, the word will let us know. God says, my word is what? A lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He says, I will instruct you and guide you in the way that you go. And when I hide the word of God in my heart, he says, then I will be able to avoid sinning against him. We need this word to, to find our assignment, to be clear about our anointing. But here's the final thing. Your address, when God asks you, what are you doing here, will be affirmed by the evidence of the fruit that you bear. If you're in the right place, there's going to be fruit. That's what it says. Your gift will do what? We know the word here. Your gift will do what? Make room for you. So if you, somebody says, well, I have the gift of teaching. Well, why does everybody fall asleep when you teach? Because they don't have the gift of hearing. No. You, Jesus, said, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you, that you will bear fruit and that you will bear much fruit and that the fruit that you bear will remain. There will be evidence when God has anointed you and assigned you and it aligns with his word, there will be affirmation. There should be fruit. You have the gift of being a solo, so sing solo that nobody can hear you sing. I'm not going to say we did this at our church, but never mind. That's mm, too close to home. We're going to bed. Amen. No, we ain't talking about that. Mm. Now, here's how God affirmed that Elijah was where he was supposed to be. He said it wasn't going to rain for three and a half years, and guess what? It didn't rain. And then the Lord spoke to Elijah again. He says, send for Ahab so that he can meet you and tell him that it's going to rain today. And guess what happened? When Elijah prayed at Mount Carmel, right after he prayed for fire to come down on the altar where they, they, they poured, they put stones on top of the wood, they put buckets of water on top of the wood, and then, I, and then Elijah says, answer me, Lord. Answer me, Lord. Oh, man, answer me, Lord. And the fire came down. That was affirmation that he had the gift of miracles, signs, and wonders. The rain came when Elijah prayed. The Lord told Elijah when the brook of Cherith dried up, he said, I want you to go to Sidon. And there, there's a, there's a widow, there's a single black woman from Zarephath. And when you get there, you tell her, she, you, you're going to see her. And, the, and he didn't say how Elijah would notice her, but he noticed her because she was doing the work of a man. She was picking up sticks and, and gathering for herself. And Elijah stopped and he said, look, I'm hungry. I'm the prophet. Before, he said, she said, I want you to feed me. She said, well, sir, sir, I respect you being a preacher. Even though you don't dress much like one, whatever that means. She said, but you asked me to feed you. She said, I've got enough food for my son and I, and this is our last meal, and we're going to die after this meal because the famine had taken away the harvest. And the prophet said, if you feed me first, feed the prophet first, 
that God will fill your meal basket. He didn't say, God, he didn't say would fill. He said he would cause your meal barrel to never run out. He didn't say he would fill. It would be enough. <laughs> he didn't say, he said, I'm going to make sure. And guess what happened? She fed him first. And throughout the entire famine, the meal barrel never running dry. God will affirm. If you're where God wants you to be, there will be fruit from your ministry. My question to you, what are you doing here? Is there any evidence of fruit from the gifts that God has given you? What are you doing with the talents that God has given you? Have you taken seriously the assignment that one day the Bible said all of us will stand before almighty God? I hear people say, well, God called me to preach, but I ain't, I'm running. You keep on running like Jonah. And the faster you run, the more danger you put the people around you in. Everybody was in danger until Jonah got thrown off that boat. When you're running from God, he, 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 you're not going to get away. Some of those folks down January 6th, they might, they might get away. But when we do God dirty, when we don't do what God say do, stay with me. There will be affirmation. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that you're using the gifts of God in your life? Well, if I was a preacher, I, I, no, no, God didn't call you to be a preacher. He said, but when the Holy Ghost has come, you will be my witnesses. There are various gifts. Are you using the gifts or are you sitting on the gifts? Are you wasting the gifts? Somebody say amen. Here's the second question. Why did the prophet leave the place? where God assigned him to be. I'm glad you asked. Listen at what it says in chapter 19. After all these great miracles, the Bible says, so Jezebel sent a messenger. This is in chapter 19. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, may the God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that one, like, like one of them that you killed. Elijah, along with the other Israelites, slew 450 false prophets at Mount Carmel when the fire of God rained down. And let me, let me clarify this. Here, here's, here was the real crux of Elijah's assignment. God raised him up to turn the people from false gods, idol worship, back to him. At Mount Carmel, when the rain of God's fire came down, the people said, God is God and Baal is false. He accomplished the assignment, but it wasn't finished. We like Elijah. We start off well. We all gung-ho. Somebody look at us funny. We quit. <laughs> Why ain't look at me like that? They didn't even speak to me today. They never even acknowledged what I did. I held the door for somebody. Uh, I, I, I asked if they wanted some water. I wasn't going to get the water, but I at least asked, why didn't they put me in the program? He accomplished the first part. The 450 prophets died, and the nation of Israel, the 10 tribes, said, God is God, and Baal is false. So the next part of that was Ahab and Jezebel were supposed to be dealt with. But Jezebel sent the memo, text message. It went viral. <laughs> this thing, the Bible says, Elijah, when he heard what Jezebel said, 
this mighty man of God, and they won't reign for three and a half years. Ain't going to be no dew on the earth. And when the, when the woman of Zarephath, when her son died, she said, why did you come to my house? Did I do anything to you? My son has died. Did you come and bring a curse? And Elijah said, show me where he is. This great, powerful man of God. He, the, the woman showed, the, the, the Zarephath woman uh, uh, showed her, showed him where the, the son was, and he stretched his hands across the young man, and he said, God, give him life, and that dead boy rose. You talk about an anointing. Talk about some authority. And now we read, he was afraid for his life. I got a call from a man. He's like, you think I should go in my house? I said, what do you mean, do you think I should go, you should go in your house? He said, my wife is angry with me. I said, well, what is she angry with you? Well, I threw out the wrong bag in the trash. I said, I said, you're scared of your wife. I said, you are, I said, your wife is a bully. I said, you get out of this car and you go in your house. And he said, okay, okay, okay. Jezebel did what 450 prophets couldn't do, what Ahab couldn't do. And so the first reason why, why he ran, why he was afraid, why he left the place where he should have been was focused on what people say rather than what God says. Jezebel sent a message. What message is engrafted on the motherboard of your mind? What have people said to you that have told you you can't, you won't? You're unattractive, you're too fat, you're too slow, you're too this, you're too that. The message of people, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in what people say. And sometimes what they say has so wounded our spirits that we don't think of ourselves as intelligent. I don't care how much we, how much we accomplish. I don't care how good we look. We're going to get multiple facial surgeries like Michael Jackson. That dude was handsome. What made him think that he was unattractive? What message was engrafted on his heart? So the message, he focused on the wrong thing. Whatever you focus on will determine how you feel. Here's the second thing. He feared the fear of loss or harm. He was afraid for his life. God had protected him for three and a half years. He had given him an express. This, this was before DoorDash. God fed him from the ravens. They would bring food to him every day. He didn't have to put in his order. And here he is afraid of a woman. I was, I was amazed. I read an article. I was getting ready to send to uh, Elder Ward that 50% of men, young men, are not dating. They're not interested in going out with women. 50%. And, and, uh, and many of them have no intention of getting married. They would rather watch porn and play video games. Now, what would make a man choose artificial satisfaction from a river? I want you to know there's a spirit of Jezebel in the world. And, 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 this, this, and so the women aren't mad that men aren't dating because they're dating each other now. There's a spirit 
of Jezebel, and I'm telling you that this is all an attack against what God has established, a man and a woman in marriage for life. And so you got grown men that don't want to date. They ain't, you, I don't care what you try to do to get their attention. They don't have to pay attention to you and go right on the Internet and on their cell phones. I'm not just talking about men. There's some men who are married that ain't really married. They, ain't, they checked out because you're you, you, you doing like Jezebel did. Jezebel ran Ahab. He was a passive man. He was a weak man. When crying to his wife every time he couldn't get what he wanted, and she was quick to take, oh, I got this, baby. You just go sit in the corner. Get under mommy, get under mommy's apron. He married his mother, not a wife. A man does not need you to be his mother. A man is not, doesn't need to be in competition with you. And you don't need to be in competition with him. He feared loss. He had false expectations. He thought when, when God said it was going to rain, it, it didn't rain. It rained. And when the rain was going to stop, it stopped raining. And so everything that he lied, he had seen miraculous things from God whenever he spoke. But he thought that once the, the prophets were killed and the fire from heaven rained down, now he's going to go and talk to Jezebel and put her in. <laughs> that don't intimidate me. The spirit of control and domination, when you, when you women are serious. Brothers, we, 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 we half-step. When a woman decides she's going to study and, and go after something, she going in. We trying to get somebody to give us some cliff notes. I'm not trying to be hard on brothers. So when we release the spirit of Jezebel on women today, you marry somebody like that. They ain't trying to take care of you. They ain't trying to be, be coming under your authority and your vision. That's not a part of their agenda. You are a business proposition that can be replaced. False expectations. Once this happens, I've been coming to church for a couple weeks now. I done paid my tithes for the first time in five years. And I, and I actually stood up and gave a testimony. And now I'm going to get that job I've been praying for. You don't have no credentials. You don't have any experience. And you don't even know the language of the company that you're trying to get out. But because you came to church three times, your expectation is, and then you're going to say, God, let me down. I pray. They said you touch and agree. I was in the prayer circle. They threw some oil up on me. I even... Moonwalk for him, you know. <laughs> so you expect God, if you give 10, God will give you 100. He didn't say $100. 100% of a good night's sleep. Give me some sleep. Somebody say amen. Here's another thing that caused him to leave the place where he should have been. Fatigue. The Bible said he, he, he went to running. He got ghosts. And when he arrived at the place, that he had run to in, in verses 5 and 6. Let me read some of this. Then, then as he laid and he slept under a broom tree, suddenly the angel touched him. Say the angel touched him. And said to him, arise and eat. And then he said, so he ate and he drank and he laid down again. He was wiped out. Sometimes you can have a great experience in the Lord. And you're so spiritually high, you go to these retreats, and you hear all this great, oh, God, I was up to, I was getting some new tablets from the, from the Lord on Mount Sinai. And then you come back home. Nobody's cleaned anything. Food all on the floor. Windows open. 
brother in front of the TV with a beverage. And then all of a sudden, every, all that excitement and, is gone. Have you ever been depressed? He was so depressed that he wanted to, he said, Lord, I want to die. If I got to go through this nonsense with, you, with Christians and in the church, and this is what I get in return, kill me. Kill me. So fatigue, fatigue. That may not be some of our problems. We're fatigued from ladies got to be. You ain't every, you don't have to be everything. Wonder woman, super wife, super mom, super cheerleader. These parents are going everywhere. I don't remember a game my parents ever came to. Lord have mercy. I wish they had. Maybe I'd be, I wouldn't be so messed up. <laughs> they ain't come to my games. But we're trying to be everything. And you wandering around, your tongue dragging on the ground, wiped out. Well, I'm going to have one day. I'm staying home from church. That's how, how about that's the one place you choose to stay away from? Here's the final reason why he left the place where he should have been. Failure to wait on God to give additional instructions. God didn't tell him to leave. You remember, the, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came, and there's no indication that God told him anything. He got caught up in his feelings. Oh, God. Got caught up in his emotions. And the next thing you know, he's packing his bag and he's leaving his family, leaving his ministry, leaving his assignment, his, his anointing that was aligned with the word of God. All kinds of affirmation. None of that mattered because he was controlled by his feelings. It's dangerous to allow your feelings to control you. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. Let me run on. Let me run on. What does God do when we aren't where we should be? Let me just share. The first thing he did, he pursued the prophet. And we, again, because of time, he sent the angel of the Lord to the place where Elijah the prophet was. You remember when Jonah got on the boat and he got in the belly of the ship and he just gone, he nodded out and the ship sinking and everything. The Lord sent a storm to chase after Jonah. The Bible says those who God loves, he chases. He did the love. He's not just going to let you go. He sicks the hounds of heaven on you. That's why you have no joy. That's why you, can't, you can drink all the whatever you want to drink. It don't taste right. You With the people that you used to hang with, the fun ain't what it used to be because God is chasing you. He pursued Elijah. The Bible said all at once the angel touched him and he said, get up and eat. And so he pursued him. Then he provided. He provided food. He provided touch. Sometimes what happened, they also said of men today, he said that the average man doesn't have a, only have one friend in his life. Men don't have friends. We are isolated. We die as strangers to our family. Oh, he worked, he came home, and then that's it. And so he, he left his, Elijah, when he fled, he left his servant, and he was by himself, but the angel touched him. Sometimes, brother, we just need somebody to put a shoulder, hand on our shoulder. Sometimes we just need to sit across the table from somebody and have a meal. We all need somebody. The Bible says two are better than one. Let me, let me run on. So he provided for him. Has God provided for you? He fed him. He let him rest. He gave him water to drink. He didn't scold him. Oh, let me tell you what the Bible says. You ain't in church, you low-down heathen. You used to be a deacon. You used to be a preacher. I don't know. What kind of Christian is you? No, no, the Bible says that the Lord... Had the angel feed him, give him drink, let him rest, and he touched him. Then he protected him from himself. 
Elijah wanted to commit suicide. He said, Lord, I ain't going to do it, but kill me. Pull the Dr. Kevorkian thing. Take my life. Have you ever been so down and so depressed, so discouraged that you just didn't want to go on? The Lord protects us from ourselves. I got a call from a guy. I called a guy. I said, Lord, this is a Monday morning. I know this man died. His wife died. I do not want to talk to this guy, but I got a call, and it's required. This is the day. So I called this guy. And he's crying, he's screaming, he doesn't know where he's at, he, he's talking about killing himself. And I said, here we go. And then it's like, that's, I got this, my day, I got all these things. And then he, 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 here's what God did. The man said, I said, well, tell me where you are. He said, I don't know where I'm at. I said, well, how did you get there? I got in my car. Well, where were you at before you got to where you are? I went to the bank. And he said, I wrote checks to all the wrong places. My wife is there. She, she handled the checks. She handled the bills. I don't know the passwords. I'm all confused. She said, I, we got the money, but the checks are bouncing. And he said, he said, when he was walking out of the bank, one of the tellers followed him. And he put his hand on his shoulder. He said, he started praying for me. And he said, as soon as I got in the car, the phone rang, and it was you. What I saw as a, as, as a delay and an obstacle was a divine opportunity. God used me to protect that man from himself, even though I wasn't feeling it. God protected the prophet from himself. When you think about who you could have married, he protected you from yourself. He also patiently waited. Here's, here's, this, I always read the story differently. He patiently waited. Now watch the story. You got to read this, starting in chapter 17 through chapter 19. It go, actually goes through the end of the book, but you, if you get to chapter 19, watch this. So Elijah runs, and he's wiped out, and he's sleeping. He wakes up and starts talking crazy. I want to die. So what the Lord does he feeds him, he gives him water, he lets him rest, he touches him. And so he gets up in verse 8, and the, and, and, and the Bible says that he, instead of going back to Samaria where Jezebel and Ahab was to finish the assignment, he runs to Horeb 40 days and 40 nights away. And I used to read that. See, God gave him enough food to run in the strength of one meal for 40 days. No, no. He was running away from the assignment. And how do I know that? Because when he got to horror and went to sleep in a cave, when he woke up, God didn't say, glad to meet you here. Let's, go, let's enjoy this retreat. God said, what are you doing here? I didn't feed you and give you water and give you rest to, to leave the assignment. So you may end up somewhere smiling and resting, but that doesn't mean you're where God wants you to be. God waited patiently. And so when God asked the prophet, why are you here? In verse 9, the prophet said, well, well, listen, God, I've been serving you faithful. You let me down. And your people are frauds. They turn to idols, and there's nobody else left but me. And, the, and what, I, what do I have to show for is they kind of kill me. So instead of saying, Lord, I'm in the wrong place, he complains. He complains. God wasn't changing the assignment. He doesn't change the assignment because you don't like it. He just said, what are you doing where you're not supposed to be? Why are you with that man? He's not your husband. Why are you with that woman and she's not your wife? The assignment didn't change because you're in the wrong place. Smelling good, feeling good. 
vacationing with people you shouldn't be vacationing with and showing, showing stuff on Facebook and Instagram and all that. The devil is a liar. So, so, so here's, watch the patience of God. He allowed him to run 40 days and 40 nights on his provisions. Instead of using the gifts and the strength that he has to go back, then the Lord says, come out in front of the mountain. Come out in front of this mountain and cover yourself. I'm about to pass. And so the Lord, the Bible says, he caused an earthquake. Then he caused the lightning to flash. Then he caused a great wind. And each time, these, these are miraculous things. And he said, the Lord was not in any of those things. But then he spoke in a quiet and still voice. We said, oh, see what God was doing? He was giving a new, no, he wasn't giving a new revelation. What he was saying, he said, what, what you expect is to keep me in some neat, comfortable box that will allow you to keep. He said, I don't always, I don't always move the way you decide I should move. Sometimes I'm going to speak in a quiet voice. Sometimes I'm going to use lightning. If I got to use the wind, I'll use the wind. Sometimes I'll use an earthquake. I'll use a loud miracle or the soft miracle because the greatest miracle of all beside Jesus is the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So he was saying, Elijah, you need to learn that even though it got tough, I was still speaking. Even though it was tough, I would have told you what you needed to do next. Even though it wasn't what you were used to, we already figured God out. This is what he's going to do if I do that. No, no, no. God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. And so he, 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 he showed Elijah, this is, I can do what I choose to do. I'm kind of sovereign here, you know. And guess what Elijah did? I'm the only prophet. They, you, they have forsaken me. Your people have turned, and, and they're trying to kill me. He continued to complain. So God will pursue you. He will patiently wait for you. But after a while, when you refuse to turn from being where you shouldn't be, he will prepare a replacement for you. That's what happens in chapter 15. The Lord said to Elijah after he complained again, he said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Go back where you should have been. But when you go back to Damascus, and when you arrive at anoint Haziel as king over Syria, also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king of Israel, and Elijah, the son of Shaphat, and Abel, Maholoth, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. I fired you. You've been replaced. How many of you know that God don't need none of us? You've been terminated. <laughs> I asked you twice, what are you doing here? And you started complaining. Oh, this man get on my nerves. Oh, this woman, this woman, this woman. I could do this if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her. I said, what are you doing here? Well, you don't know the kind of parents I had when I was being raised. And we were so poor, and it was in the way, it wasn't even the hood, it was under the hood. And God said, what are you doing here? Okay, I patiently waited. I pursued you. I've already protected and provided for you. Now I prepare to replace. I mean, go get, go identify Elisha. He's going to be the new pastor of this church. He's going to be the new leader of the music ministry, or whatever. God doesn't need any of us. 
The person, you sitting there, he said, man, I could do that. God told me so many years ago that I should go back to school or I should, I should be teaching or whatever it is that God has put in your heart and you never did it. He got every excuse under the sun. I said, what are you doing here? Why are you sitting on the bench? Why are you waiting for people to give you permission to do what I've already told you to do? There comes a time when you keep making excuses where God said, I have prepared your replacement. I'm done with you. And so now you got to teach the person to finish what you should have been doing. How many of you ever had to train somebody that's going to take your place at work? <laughs> you training somebody, and not only do they take your place, they make more money than you. Because they got the degree, and you never went back to get it. He will replace you. Some of you uh, might know the, my, one of my favorite movies is The Five Heartbeats. <laughs> the character that I love, stand with me, the character that I love most was Eddie King. His father used to say, you ain't going to never be nothing. And to his surprise and amazement, Eddie King became the lead singer of The Five Heartbeats. Anybody remember that? Eddie Kane. I looked up in Wikipedia. Eddie Kane. I like Kane. I like that one better. Oh my God. So the group just just takes off. And Eddie Kane loses his mind. He starts getting puffed up in pride. Like some musicians in the church, they don't have a musician to play. They're sitting around, and they ain't going, this ain't my Sunday to play. Uh, I don't like the way that vocalist sing. I ain't going to mess up my, uh, 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 my, my, my logo. What is it? What do you call it? My image? My, my, yeah. my brand. I ain't going to mess up my brand. These mics don't work right. People who got the gift of singing won't use their gift. People who have the gift of service sitting in the church waiting for, why don't they have this, and why don't they have that? So Eddie Kane said he would miss rehearsals. And then he said, I, the, the group needs to be named after Eddie Kane. Eddie Kane in the five heartbeats. I do all this singing and dancing and making people holler. And so eventually, the group prepared a replacement for Eddie Kane. Remember that? He got fired. And then one cold night, he shows up. Oh, Y'all remember that scene, all right, all right? But it was too late because he was where he was not supposed to be. Don't wait so long with the assignment and the anointing and the affirmation of God. To, 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 when you stand and now I'm old, you can't run anymore. God says, now I'm going to use Elisha. Are you willing today to make a decision? The Lord is asking you the question, what are you doing here? Are you living a life that is purposeful based on his assignment for you? Why, when I get grown, no, no, David was a teenager. Esther was young, and she said, she prayed. 
to pray just one night with the king? How would you answer the question, what are you doing here? I pray that you've heard a word from the Lord today and that you would allow him to use you to star where he has placed you. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus.